Blog Talk Radio. Listeners, welcome to another broadcast of The Unexplained World with your host, Edward Shanahan, a paranormal, spiritual observer, and psychic reader, along with Annette, a high priestess and psychic reader. The Unexplained World is a broadcast where the border between the natural and supernatural may become nothing more than fuzzy, so enjoy. Hello listeners, welcome to another broadcast of the Unexplained World with your hosts, Annette and myself, Ed Shanahan. Hello, Annette. Hello, Ed. How are you tonight? Oh, that's peachy. Uh, <laughs> I bet you're a little tired. <laughs> yeah, I'm going to bring somebody in uh, right away who should be also very tired. Mercedes. Hello, Mercedes. You there? Oh, hello. Yeah. Hi, Mercedes. How are you hello. doing today? Oh, I'm very tired. <laughs> 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 yeah, she got. That's why she, you're tired. Um, because I drove all day today and all day yesterday. <laughs> from and where were you yeah, driving? Yeah. We were in Villisca, um, Iowa, <laughs> very close to Nebraska. We were 30 miles away from Nebraska. It was a long drive. We took turns, but it was still very, very tiring to drive. <laughs> wow. That's and she got home, and she she had to go to another cemetery, and she also had to go to uh, fishing. She said, "Yes, <laughs> yeah." So, <laughs> okay. So, was it worth the drive, Mercedes? It was definitely worth the drive. I had the best time ever. It was. Oh, awesome. good. <laughs> it was awesome. We uh, let me bring in David right now. Right now, he's going to be our Terrific. guest, and uh, Mercedes. You know, we're going to talk a little bit about what went down last night. Okay. Uh, and uh, I, you know, you're, I, I'd like you to stay on the show, too, because you said you had somewhat of an interest in space and UFOs and stuff like that, too. Mm-hmm. So um, you could be, f- feel free to, I, listeners, bear with me. It's been, you know, it's been a long two days. Um, <laughs> we're going to, we're going to, uh and, Bring on my buddy, David. Yeah, Dave. Hello, Dave. Are you there? <laughs> oh, hi. Hi, Ed. How are you, Ned? Uh, hi, David. How are you tonight, honey? We miss you. Oh, my you. gosh. Like always, fabulous. Why do you even ask? Oh, of course. <laughs> That's, good. That's good. Well, Dave, you'll be interested in this because you like the paranormal also. Uh, we were at Villisca ex Murder House, the scene of uh, seven people being killed. Eight. 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 Okay. Wow. And uh, by 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 an ex murder, murderer, I guess you could say. And um, the weird thing about it, now I even you know I brought this up to Mercedes, Ursula, and everybody else. I did not like the idea that the owners were bailing out um, and leave you there by yourself. They don't even want to spend the night. So, um, and they warned us ahead of time for the listeners. Who may have been listening last night? We it, remember it was a trial run doing a remote. Annette did a fantastic job. She sounded like a lady from WGN who got a special report and they had to go right to the location. <laughs> and and uh, um, the thing was, they warned us: there's no electricity in this house. Basically, no lights, no stuff like that. And yet. People have a very hard time with cell phones, radio, not radios, but cameras and stuff like that. And Annette even found out, we found out, even though I was on the line, I wasn't even coming across. And I was staying outside. Mercedes was one person that came across on the line. I think Mike was the other out of maybe five phones trying to call in. Wow. So, yeah. Uh, yeah. Now, and did your candles work, I hope? 
Oh, candles and they had kerosene uh, lights. Wow. Yeah, kerosene, isn't that something? <laughs> and it was because freezing, no heat. No heat, it was cold. It was And how long did you cold. stay in the house? All night? Did you sleep? No. No, there, there was no sleep. About four? Yeah. Wow. Oh, well, that's all night, yeah. Yeah. And even Mercedes, didn't you put new batteries in your yeah. camera? And they were dead before yeah. you went to even use them? Yeah. Yep. So. Yep. Wow. Is that yeah. interesting? Yeah. And she wasn't well, the only one. Well, as much as I want to hear what David has to say, you're going to have to tell me more about this trip. What happened while you were in the house? Anything good? I got beat up. Yeah. Yeah, the heck was good. What happened bad? That's what we want to hear. That's silly me. (laughs) I got beat up about two times. Um, And Annette, you'll be very shocked to hear this, that um, it was a situation I felt that I even provided my self-protection before doing the circle of energy. Oh. So did it scare the the poop out of you, as we so, so we say? Um. I don't know. Not, not, not the thing that shook me a little was the donors actually leaving. Mercedes were Mercedes was dealing with the little girl that still remained there. What was her name? Uh, Ina. Ina. Yeah. Ooh, wow. And how old he, was Ina? She was eight. Ooh. Oh. Wow. And and the thing was is we went. Um, we went upstairs into the attic, and uh, me and Mercedes, and we were just sitting there. And I actually, I didn't, I didn't, I never went to the website to read about the history of this. And I started describing what the sick individual, the killer, did to the little girl, which was I know. Am I right, Mercedes? Mm-hmm. Besides, before killing her, he molested her. Oh. Yeah. And uh, when we got down to do the circle, um, Mercedes was on my left side. And people were actually, it was Mercedes on my left and Stacy on my right and other people in the circle. And the two ladies were actually picking up Ina and... um, I basically was egging on, I guess you call him Blackie was his nickname, or uh, William, I called him Willie Boy, just to aggravate him. And uh, the ladies actually were able to bring calmness to bring the girl out for she wouldn't be afraid. And, uh, yeah. And now who was Willie Boy, Ed? Tell me what that is. He, he, he would, we feel he was the ex-killer, don't we? Yeah. yeah. Oh, Okay. Okay. Mm-hmm. So he lived through the murders. Obviously, he didn't com- commit suicide there, and they never. No, I, as far as I, 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 I believe thought. he was killed afterwards for what he did to the girl because he went beyond what he was supposed to do. Oh, he's like That's a hired it. henchman, huh? Yeah, basically. Yeah, yeah. Uh, yeah. Mm-hmm. But everybody did pick up the fact. See, Mercedes is very sensitive too, and we had Lou. Lou got hurt. Her finger got smashed by the door that slammed down it all by itself. That wow. was as soon as we got there. As soon as we got there. Yeah. Um, I had I I sat on the boys' room. I picked up on the boys' bed. I picked up uh, what happened when um, when the guy came into the boys' room. I was actually picking up his expression, his feelings, and all that stuff. Then I went to sit on in the room that <laughs> Ina was. Yeah. Sit on a bed. I'm sitting there, and all of a sudden, the whole thing gives away. Boom. Okay. That was the first thing. The second thing was when we went in the attic, and happy, luckily, it was a beam I knocked my head on instead of the ceiling because the ceiling in the attic, the roof, he had nails coming through it. Okay. Yeah. 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 So uh, by then, by the time it came time to do the circle, I decided to, uh, I better use some protection, you know. And uh, I did for the first time. Good, okay. Well, I learned a good hint. I never would have thought of that, about the door slamming. Mm -hmm. If I'm ever with you in one of these haunted places, I'm not going to... Boy, I'm going to be thinking about my fingers in an open window or a door. 
that's a good little good little hint. You know, the and, other hint, David, is never stand on the left or the right of him when he's doing that circle of energy thing either. <laughs> yeah, about four paces behind and whatever. Mercedes was on my left-hand side. Uh, what what went down on, for you, Mercedes? What were you feeling? Um, I felt um, blacky. He was there. He was behind me. He was, like, right on top of my back. It was it was uh, very intense. It was... he kept pulling at my shirt and messing with my hair and wow. tickling my elbow and and then uh I was just shaking. I was shaking like I, I've never shook like that before and then um every once in a while I would get this urge to hit Ed. <laughs> Blackie wanted me to just hit him and make uh-huh. him stop, you know, challenging him. And um I kept telling Ed, I'm like, he he hates you. He can't stand you. He you know, he, and uh, it, it was just very intense. It was crazy. Wow. Wow. <laughs> and the more she would say it, and or anybody else in the circle, the more I, you know, aggravate him and try to get him more ticked off. We had an incident, too, when we're downstairs doing the circle. Uh, Marion and her husband, before it all started, next to the boys' room there was a closet. And Stacy spent some time in the closet earlier, just taking EVPs in there. But during the circle, Mary, Marion, before the circle, Marion and her husband put up a digital recorder in the closet upstairs. Okay. Mm-hmm. And as I'm getting into, you know, challenging Blackie, Lily Boy, whatever you want to call him, um, they got on the recorder in the closet. You heard it, didn't you, Mercedes? Yeah. Yeah, as clear as day. How did the words go away? Real anger. Wow. Yeah. It was. Yeah. It was really angry. It was a real deep, like, growly voice, and it's like, "Go away!" It was crazy. It was, it, and it was, it was loud. It was clear. Now, these owners that kind of didn't want to accompany you on this little mission. What have they reported or sensed themselves? I mean, obviously, they, they must have some stories about what they've heard or seen. Volumes, yeah. Well, the guy bought it for this, this purpose, is to keep the, the history of the place alive. Wow. So they've never really stayed there, I don't believe. Did you get yeah. that? Yeah, they did. Um, Carol said oh. that she had stayed there a couple times. Um, different times, and she said she stayed there three or four times, maybe, maybe four okay. or five. Okay. But nobody's actually, they have not actually lived there, I don't believe. No, nobody's lived there since 1994 when they started um, renovating it to make it back to the original state. And that's when the stuff started coming back, you know, right. happening. Yeah. But usually during so, renovations, that's when action picks up again, you know. Yeah, it was it was interesting. It was an interesting night, and uh, I guess we're going to be doing it maybe later again. But we have, uh, you know, we're going to be going to Ashmore Estates, which is a abandoned insane asylum, you know. So, but uh, Mercedes is real good. She's real good. You can tell she's tired now. She was uh, yeah, real, good. real peppy earlier. Yeah. Uh, yeah. <laughs> yeah. When we first talked to her last night, she was raring to go. Oh, I was. <laughs> I told him I was going to run outside the van to Villisca and beat him there because I was so excited to get there. <laughs> but that, that that was about a 28-hour road trip, I guess you could say. Yeah, oh, round trip. Yeah. yeah. So. Now, Ed, we are you going to, um, any of the recordings that you did while you were there, are you going to post those anywhere for the Yahoo group to listen to or at some point? Be able to play if I those? get it from if I get it from the people, um, I will. Okay. As um, Mercedes knows, and as other people have been out on these things, I don't pull the camera or the tape recorder out when I'm with the group, because my sole purpose is to do what I do. Uh, Mercedes really didn't have a chance to pull her camera out last night neither, mm-hmm. because she I was. Uh, pictures. Yeah, she was. She was with working with me, wandering and picking up what she was picking up, picking up, and. Uh, 
everybody, even though it's not a super big house, people were spending time wandering, sitting, picking up noise. Uh, Stacy went in the attic probably for a half hour, and uh, uh, the circle actually ran like 25, 30 minutes. Mm-hmm. And um, then it became calm. Mm-hmm. It more or less became calm after that, after a circle of energy, which is strange. But it was uh, it was interesting. It was interesting. And the reason why we didn't broadcast basically from there, number one, the problems we were having, if we would have planned an hour or two hour broadcasting, we would have been in trouble. We've been standing outside anyways. And uh, yeah, you would have been hearing me babble, just trying to make space build. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. So, um, Mercedes, you're going to stick with us, right? Yep. Through this, okay. I'm not, I'm not going to fall asleep yet. Okay, we're gonna we're gonna we're gonna bring David on to talk about all this. Oh, Lou's already got pictures up, so um, I'll I'll send you an email to her uh, link to her website tomorrow or okay. Tuesday. Tomorrow got readings, but Lou's already got pictures up. Uh, David, you have basically returned from a conference held in Illinois on UFOs and stuff. Uh, yeah, in fact, was, that that's a great way to start. I was hoping we'd start with that. It was March 29th at the Tinley Park Holiday Inn Convention Center. Mm-hmm. And a very interesting day, UFO Symposium, kind of co-sponsored by Illinois MUFON, whose director lives in Tinley Park. And one of the presentations, we went into a pretty deep study of the uh, sightings they had in Tinley Park over the last three or four years. And then there was also a group from Alan Hynek's International Center for UFO Studies. And that was a group I was associated with when I lived in Evanston a few years back. So I knew some of those people. And they had a great presentation about what was experienced over O'Hare Airport a few years back, as well as a filmmaker from down in the St. Louis area that did a documentary about the uh, sightings of the, the large black triangle that a number of police departments kind of had the opportunity to witness and, and be part of that whole Experience so it, it, the whole day was just fascinating and kind of. Oh, here it was less than a year ago, wasn't it? Yeah, that was quite recent, quite recent. Because I remember, because I remember that uh, people were getting hold of, were getting a hold of whoever was leaking it out of the news stations. You know, they were only allowed to report specific things on the TV, but they had the off-air stuff, and there there was a a whole different mindset off-air about what actually went down compared to what they were... That's what we were privy to because the people from the Hynek Center that investigated it pretty thoroughly, oh my gosh, they spoke to so many pilots and ground people at the airport that obviously never got on mainstream news or interviewed. So it was mm-hmm. very, very interesting. What did they, um, what was the, I hate to use the word cover-up, but what was the cover-up um, used? Or well, was... it, again, the sensitivity of the airlines and the FAA and the pilots and uh, not trying not to make that something the general public uh, is too aware of, uh, and I can understand what the airlines have been through since 9-11. They sure don't need to scare anybody else away from possibly not flying. Yeah. But, but they've always had a funny approach to uh, anything that pilots report because, of course, they're a little more credible than... I suppose, a taxi cab driver that had to be waiting outside the airport. So they they tried to play it down, or if not play it down, just not make it a story at all. Yeah. 
and David, do we think that this was um, extraterrestrial, or this is a, a, spa- a spacecraft that was of this Earth? <laughs> you know, that or something? Was, do we that know? was very, very interesting, Annette, what, what kind of came out, and, it, and it's a, I was leaning pretty heavily toward this concept of overlapping other dimensions into, let's say, our three-dimensional reality. Okay. And I, I'm thinking that's got to be a big part of all of these phenomenons that are all sure. kind of tied together. And yet, the people from the Center for UFO Studies, uh, boy, I did hear the term nuts and bolts come up pretty often. Uh, they were convinced that certainly, and yet there is, there is even a connection you can make from if something is able to appear, materialize, manifest itself in our reality, it doesn't mean that while it's here, it isn't a hard object. And um, But this thing hung out for quite a while. It was over the airport for uh, quite a long period of time. I mean, like an hour. Hours and hours or days? Yeah, a couple hours. It was there for quite a while and seen by the people in the tower, the pilots on the ground taxiing planes around, and mechanics working in the hangars that came out and observed it. So it was seen by a lot of people at the airport, and um, their stories weren't something that got out in the news, but we were kind of given all these interviews as our presentation from them. They they spent quite a bit of time there recreating that event. So that was pretty fascinating. And you know, Ed, the, the same thing you could say about the very recent uh, January-February sightings in Texas. Uh, mm-hmm. I know there was one woman journalist who really took that story on and and seemed to want to go a little further, and she lost her job over it. Really? So that is something that uh, the news media, just like the airline business, they're they're really still pretty paranoid or afraid of this subject, and they they just choose not to deal with it uh, for their own benefit, for their business, for for whatever their reputation, which, you know, that's certainly understandable, but uh, by the same token, obviously, people uh, need to know there's a little more to it than just uh, some crazy people citing something. Well, that was was our main interest on our last show, to bring the uh, scientists out, that now scientists, you know, have become very interested in the orbs that are being discovered. Not just not being discovered, but, you know, science has gotten... Bring some validity to the fact that they're in the photographs, yeah. Yeah, yeah. Well, you know, it's interesting, after you were, and you kind of clued me in on a couple of those uh, orb things going around the Internet again and sightings, and it wasn't too long after that. Now, this might go back, two weeks ago or so, Linda Moulton Howe was a guest on Coast to Coast with George Norrie. And, oh my gosh, she had a tremendous report and presentation about her many years of studies on this orb phenomenon and talked to a lot of people who served in Vietnam. And there seemed to be extensive sightings by soldiers of huge mirror orbs in the middle of the jungle, and they they damn near walked right into them uh, because in a jungle setting, she said the the way they were described, they were virtually invisible the way the rest of the jungle reflected off these huge round mirror orbs. And Mm -hmm. yet there were many reports and many soldiers kind of happened upon these things, and, um, boy, talk about high strangeness and just weirdness. Yeah, it, never it was, heard of this. It was, and that was with their naked eyes, too, probably, oh, right? And, 
my gosh, they they virtually uh, you you could go up and touch them, but wow. they were huge, uh, possibly uh, fifty to a hundred foot high. They, these were gigantic things. Now, when they touched them, David, they were uh, have some kind of a mass to them, or well, the, the only way they described them, the way the way she got descriptions through her interview process, they were just like mirror plated. It's like running into a mirror. But oh, the, the camouflage aspect is very interesting because uh, one of the one of the cases we looked into the police departments that followed this gigantic triangle, and it kind of handed it off from one city to another down near St. Louis, and this was only a few years back. They said the same thing, that you'd look at this huge, gigantic triangle in the night sky, and they could see that it actually had a star pattern underneath it to mimic just looking up at the sky and stars anyway. So you really had to look twice to then see somewhat of the outline and realize that, oh boy, this thing was actually disguised to maybe a, a real quick or casual look up. You wouldn't even see it. Wouldn't even Very know. interesting. Very that, interesting. Yeah, that was kind of a... Uh, and, and, and the other interesting thing throughout the whole day was the history and evolution, if you will, of the type of sightings and type of craft as related to a certain era. So in other words, you know, the flying saucer term came from these shiny discs, if you will, that were seen, let's say, in the late 50s, early 60s, and then the cigar-shaped cylinders that seemed to be uh, prevalent in the 70s and 80s, and now these triangle things... Well, it's not hard to imagine, just like, look at our space program. Do you, do you know the Wright brothers? That wasn't too much more than 100 years ago. And yeah, now right. look what we're doing. And look where we've gone from that crazy little uh, damn near yep. kite thing those guys flew, the Wright brothers. Next thing you know, we've got airplanes, then there's jets, and now that space shuttle goes back and forth up in space like it's a bus. So within a hundred years or so, the unbelievable change just in the the look of these things and their performance is, is amazing, and yet we're still this limited little group on Earth in three dimensions, so the these other whatever <coughs> UFO phenomenon is, it's not hard to imagine they're evolving as well and even at a higher rate was there a decent crowd out at this Tinley Park conference I would say yeah the in fact there was a spillover they had to reserve and they actually used a second conference room area for the presentation so what they ended up doing uh, I believe there was, there was probably 180 people Maybe the room held 120, 125. Mm -hmm. So when one presentation was going to be given, uh, the one that was to be given right after was then, in fact, started in the other room for uh, the people that wouldn't fit in the main room. So they, they did a nice job of coordinating. So everyone saw the presentations just in a little different order, depending on what room you were in. Yeah, yeah. But it was an all day. It was an all day affair, and uh, I was just so thankful I came upon it. My schedule allowed that I could go there for the whole day. It was very interesting. Yeah, and we're going to get a little bit more into what you're going to be doing. Um, well, and, and well, well, let me let me let me cut in right this second sure. and just uh, say, um, listeners, tomorrow night. Yes, tomorrow night I will be a chance doing readings. From uh, 5 o'clock till 9, it's 6501 West 79th Street in Burbank, Illinois. July 10th, uh, we're going to have a, uh, it's a Thursday night, we're going to be working with the Parts District, having a 
basically a talk, meet and greet and that, talking about the uh, unexplained world and that. I'm working on locations for the unexplained world. I hope, uh, Mercedes, you still awake? Yeah. Okay. I'm hoping to get Mercedes Mercedes out. She's very tired. Uh, Mercedes <laughs> out there with us uh, uh, to participate in some things for the unexplained world. I'll be talking to her because um, over here on the southwest side because she's she's very intuitive herself, and we're going to be working on setting up a thing with uh, in Indiana with Annette. Uh, maybe get Mercedes out there uh, with the Diana the Dunes and stuff like that locations. So uh, more details probably in two weeks on our next broadcast. But I just wanted to say tomorrow night I'll be at Champs and. Um, uh, David, you plan on starting something. Yeah, actually, we hit on this the last time. Uh, and, and actually, I was kind of re-energized. I have an organization that I kind of started when I was in Evanston, and I'm really refocusing on this whole concept. It's called the Unified Field Organization. So it's no coincidence that the call letters are UFO. UFO. But it also, it also is kind of a personal belief of mine that I do believe from what you experienced at that house in Iowa mm-hmm. to the UFO phenomenon and everything in between is really all related, all unified, and it just lies... So it's just outside of our grasp of of understanding and getting our arms wrapped around it. But once you break through this 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 key element that it's going to take to, then everything will be opened up that's out there. And how do you how do you feel about science stepping in? I I think that our science is limited. Our math. Our physics is all governed by our three-dimensional reality, and that's mm-hmm. a little box we're in that no matter what great advances we can make within that parameter, it's, it's limiting us from finding out what I'm seeking. And so what <clears throat> the math and science that would be involved in physics to discover what I want to discover is going to be math and science and physics of a higher dimensional reality. It's not going to be of our three dimensions. So Mm -hmm. that's kind of what, and and it came up in the symposium that I attended. We had these presentations and we talked to all these people and we heard about these investigations and how they investigate, but it's like it's like the police. They go somewhere after it's been robbed. They don't go there to prevent the robbery or to see the robbery in progress. They wait till the yeah. phone rings, and then the way they go. Well, the UFO investigators, whether it's uh, the groups I was listening to a few weeks back, or if you turn your TV on and go to the History Channel, and see those guys running around chasing their tails, I thought, wait a minute, this is crazy. How This will go on forever unless somebody does an experiment, tries to make their own contact, tries to not wait till there's an event and try to chase after it, but create, <coughs> make something happen. Now, that's where Ed, Annette, Mercedes, and any kind of little team we can garner up, I do have a concept and an idea of how I would like to attempt to do this. And that's something we'll talk about in the future because uh, you've got the people assembled. You're doing this anyway. And I think, I don't think it'd be too much of a stretch to get you excited about kind of 
going along with my crazy ideas and see if we can make something happen. We love your crazy ideas. <laughs> no, well, if nothing it. else, it'll be fun. Yeah, we just found out Mercedes likes the space and all that, so uh, mm-hmm. she might be game for that. We, uh, David, we brought out last night a thing called a vo- uh, ghost box. Have you ever heard of that? No, I have not. Okay. Um, it was interesting. What did you say, Mercedes? It was very interesting. Addictive. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> During, um, you pretty much, where you feel that there might be activity, um, this this box has been hacked, I guess you could say, the type of radio been hacked, where it runs right through the FM channels. Boom. This constantly runs. No stopping, nothing. And um, what what you do is, I believe it was, uh, Wanda was asking questions, okay, of the spirits, and you pick up what resembles answers to your questions, okay? And it comes through the speaker. Yeah. When I when the bed broke, well, what did it say, Mercedes, Ed? Wanda asked it who broke the bed, and it said, Ed, Ed, broke the bed. <laughs> okay. <Uh-oh>. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> yeah. Yeah. <laughs> um, then when we were doing the circle of energy, stuff was coming across, um, basically directed toward me, danger and all that stuff. Mm-hmm. So we may be tapping into something. Well, I, you know what? It'd be fun to go after these reptilians and little greys with your... Okay, kind of- now here you go. Now you got it, and that's <laughs> ears popped up. Uh, well, here's the thing, you, you know, and, and and you asked me the last time I was on, you said something mm-hmm. like, David, what do, what do you know about these reptilians? And and I thought, holy Christ, here we go. Um, and at the time, it was interesting. What I basically said was, you know, I, I, I've got this one area where I believe they're totally responsible for what I've tried to research about it, but I don't know enough about them and the history, and certainly they keep popping up. But here's a starting point. For anyone that's listening that follows this, of course they know what we're referring to, but I'll tell you why they're called reptilians. Okay. Because that's what they look like. We're dealing with, imagine somebody walks up to you, arms, legs, torso, head, but the head, <laughs> it looks like a snake, a reptile with the little slit eyes and the whole bit, green little Let me throw tail. a question out to you before you go any further right. on that, because it's going to maybe fit in. Um, and we were actually talking about this movie on the way back, or the way out yesterday. Um, I can't remember which one, uh, me and Mercedes. Uh, Devil's Advocate, did you see that movie? No, I did not. If I oh. did, I, I don't know it by its name. It had Al Pacino playing the devil? Now it's starting to ring a bell. Yeah, Keanu Reeves. Yeah, 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 yeah. I think I believe I found that on cable sometime after it was in the theaters or whatever, and maybe I didn't see it from start to finish, but okay. yeah, that's starting to ring a bell. I think I did see parts there of it. There was a scene in there where she's... Um, Keanu Reeves' wife is in the dressing room with two of Al Pacino's, I guess you could say, lady executives. And Al Pacino remembers the devil. And all of a sudden, their faces, you know, she's talking to them. And their faces, because she was very religious, their their faces turned, like changed. And they looked briefly for a couple seconds like reptilians. Mercedes, would you say that? I know you like the movie. Annette, would you say that? Um, Ladies? Yeah, I guess they do kind of look like a snake type thing. I think that was meant that was meant to, you know, resemble the fact that, you know, Lucifer was a snake in the Garden of Eden, blah, blah, blah. So okay. I'm sure that's why they use that image. Well, and, and his minions might look like Chilean. It's interesting you mentioned that little Garden of Eden reference because that's yeah. certainly something I found 
and in fact, I'll make a statement here, what I'm prepared to tell you about what I've kind of studied about this whole reptilian thing, and it played right into the area I kind of was aware of anyway. What I would say is, they are the controllers, the creators, and the manipulators of mankind on earth. Since day one. And when I say day one, I mean, let's start with, boy, am I reading an interesting book, uh, Graham Hancock's Supernatural. And the first half of the book was nothing but the history and what he's found throughout the world in these cave drawings and paintings. And, boy, there's this theme of half man, half animal, and then there's these little alien faces that appear in these caves that sure look like the face of the little greys. And we're talking five to 15,000 years ago. Uh, in one instance, I, I believe this cave, some of these drawings could have been carbon dated to be as old as 30,000 years old. Mm -hmm. And what's alleged by the people that really researched this whole reptilian thing is that the reptilians on Earth evolved from a type of dinosaur. And that's why they are what they are. Okay. And, and there there's definitely a presence of reptilians that people believe are, even if it's another dimension, it's from outer space, and even if it's another dimension, there's people that believe it's from inner space or under the earth or within the earth. And those are the ones that I seem to have followed or been aware of through underground bases that I've kind of researched and looked into. So they are known as a under-the-earth cave-dwelling, but responsible quite possibly for mankind's evolution and manipulating mankind to the point that we're out here on the surface doing their bidding, mm -hmm. even though we think that we have our own supernatural radio show with guests like me and Annette and Mercedes on it. <laughs> Yet this whole crazy design, and then I get, you know, I go to work tomorrow, I go to the Rialto Theater, and I think I work there, and I do, but but they're the ones that are orchestrating all this. And for what purpose? They're entertaining? Well, for their, I like that. I mean, if I was a reptilian, that's probably the category I'd find. I'd be entertained <laughs> by this like you wouldn't believe. But now that's an interesting thing. So what the hell do they want from us? Well, from what I'm reading, researching, hearing, they go back to possibly it was a terrible war that they were waging using this planet as kind of a staging area. And whoever their enemies are, there were events that that's how the dinosaurs were destroyed. And everything okay. had to go under the earth for protection and and to even survive. And when they decided to, let's say, replant the surface with humans, they made a conscious effort to evolve, let's say, apes, and using some of their DNA, and here we are. And we're here for their purposes of using resources, minerals on the earth, the other, the big thing I keep coming across is hydrogen as a major fuel energy source. And there's so much water on this planet that, uh, I mean, if you really knew how to use hydrogen to the nth degree, uh, there's plenty of it here for for the mm -hmm. whole universe, if you can believe that. Yeah. Sure. So that that's something that's come out, that they need things that are here on the earth. Uh, so as, let's say, innocent as what, what they can get from our water and hydrogen, 
to as sinister as uh, they need our souls when we die. Because they're using those for some purpose, some crazy uh, two cattle mutilations and, and this this blood thing that they seem to need. So there, there's any array of these reasons of why they're here, what they're doing, and why they're manipulating mankind and history for their purposes. But again, I would say, like everything else about any of these subjects, I've been researching and studying. In our three-dimensional understanding, they could tell us, sit us down and tell us exactly what they're doing and why, and we, I'm sure, would not get it. Now, i got a question to throw out to you. Here's an, uh, here's a, an experience, and you tell me if it's possible. Annette and I knew a lady who uh, talked about reptilians and stuff like this. Uh, now, you know who I'm talking about. And, yeah, and we were doing a, our, when we had the cable show on TV about the supernatural, we were filming in Asbury Coffee House. Mm-hmm. Now, the lady's sitting in the audience, because we are going to interview her also, and the next thing she says is, you know, nobody's seen it but her, and she's, you know, she sees the stuff and all that. She said there was a reptilian sitting behind me. Is that possible? Here's another thing that comes up. They say they're living among us, and they can, according to people's statements and research and interviews and everything I've read on the subject, they're shapeshifters, and they can appear to you or Annette or Mercedes or myself to look different to all of us or any of us in particular. They can look any way they want to us, again, for their purpose, their benefit. Now, what someone who has supposedly interviewed one of these reptilians, what they explain that is, is something in their brain that they can camouflage and cloud, they can do it, and they they never change their appearance, except okay. they can make your mind see them differently, or not see them. They can become invisible or blend in. And okay. here here's a concept and something I came across that, wow, this one, this really hit me when I read the concept. And this was a extraterrestrial friends and foes. Here's a book by a fellow named George Andrews, thick book, and it just categorizes all these different characters throughout the history of this phenomenon. But they had an interesting paragraph I read in there, and it had to do with proof that the reptilians claim they made us evolve and manipulated our evolution is they point to the brain. Now, I've heard this all my life. Our cortex is like 90% unused. It has no purpose. It does nothing up there. So in other words, how many times have you heard that in your life that, you know, for all a man's greatness and and what we aspire to do and what we've done in history, we're only using 10% of our brain. Now, the question becomes, well, who would have designed us and put all that extra material up there if it serves no purpose? What is that all about? Well, it's quite possible the way the reptilians see it is we do have unbelievable potential if, I suppose, we had that 100% of our brain being used where the brain itself is powerful in its energy, its electricity, and this is quite possibly how all of these other entities are able to move around and come back and forth in our dimension, but for the purpose they need us for, they thought, we probably better not give them that whole brain thing. We better keep them just where we need them with their little 10% working and 
yeah, let them fly to the moon and back and knock themselves out with the space shuttle and, <laughs> you know, let them discover this little cure for whatever the hell malaria and, you know, let them have their fun. But, you know, we don't want to have too much fun. Jesus Christ will be competing with us. And speaking of that name, imagine them setting up religions for us to be further controlled by. You know, in, in my research of, let's talk about the alien abduction scenario, mm-hmm. and boy, I keep seeing this pattern of women that claim they were abducted and, and somehow had sex with an alien and maybe they got pregnant and they were shown these little babies and they were asked to nurture these babies and well, the the more I read of those cases and how maybe religions were designed to manipulate man or control him, how about the Virgin Mary is the first alien abduction victim? Now, she's out one night, right, walking down the street, kicking up gravel. <laughs> and, uh, what's up, guy? No, hey, you know, and this is boring. This Go ahead. <laughs> right star, right? Well, all right, and yet, if you read an account of an abduction by a woman last year, she'll tell you she's walking down the street, kicking up gravel, minding her own business, and this bright light appears. She doesn't necessarily say star, but I could see how Mary would say star. Mm-hmm. Next thing you know, she's pregnant. Angels, huh. all that, yeah. Yeah. Now, uh, not only pregnant, but gives birth to a little Jesus who's got, like, magical powers? What the hell is that? In a following now, right off the bat, yeah. Now, people like to call it miracles, but what I would say is little Jesus is practicing magic, physics, beyond our understanding or capability of understanding it. And so maybe that whole scenario was set up by the ultimate controllers, the creators that said, here, this, you know, man will, you know, like shock and awe, and oh my God, they'll bow and they'll they'll call us gods. Which, you know what? Maybe they are. In their own way, they are our creator, our evolver, our manipulators, and you know, to sugarcoat it and make it pretend it's all uh, like a little fairy tale, and when maybe it's it's no fairy tale at all. But uh, again, at the moment, it's not for us to know, or they don't want us to know. But if we, you know, here's something: whoever Jesus was, and you know, I tend to, with what I just told you, I tend to believe it's Jesus Christ, space monster. But not that he didn't have his purpose to, you know, make some exciting magic to make man pay attention to him, and maybe we'd listen to what he said, and you can't argue with his logic. And, um, you know, they need the human race to evolve to a certain level, and I guess things were getting out of hand. So he comes down to teach us how to live, and again, you, you can't argue with his... But he did say something once, I, I would say the one phrase I always thought about, and more so now than ever, in somewhere in the Bible, in his preachings, he had a, maybe his apostles or a group of people assembled, and he said to them, all these things I have done, you can do, and more. And now I'm thinking... You know, that's probably true if we had that other 90% of our brain. Mm. If we could tap into that, maybe that's what he was talking about. I think Mercedes has a question. She uh, kind of put it out there on the uh, on the uh, chat. Mercedes? Yes. Uh, you asked about a TV show? Yeah, I wanted to know what a reptilian was, and I wanted to know if it was like that TV show V. V is now that but Mercedes. Let me tell you some other literature I read just the other day. We got five minutes, folks. So. V 
was one of the shows they pointed to as a possibility of the controllers allowing Hollywood to produce a number of shows to kind of break it to us gently. But Mm. that show V you're referring to was definitely Mm. on the list I read. Hmm. So that was kind of a fascinating thing. Yeah. Hmm. Does does that give you a better okay, idea? Yeah. Uh, Go ahead. David, I got a question for you. If these are our creators, our controllers, etc., how is it then that some people, like in near-death experiences or in past life uh, recognitions and so forth that they find that they're after their death human death that there's no end to consciousness etc that their you know life continues again how how would that fit in do you think what's your opinion on that that is the soul part now we describe it as a soul that's something the reptilians and the greys uh they need those. They they need those souls. The minute your body dies, they want to be right there. They got they got a use for that soul. And to do what with it? Do we know to put it back on Earth and start it over again? That's why we're maybe uh, some people believe in past life that they think or deem is worthy of it. They have some use for that. That that came up over and over. In fact, that even came up. You know, my first appearance with you had to do with Area 51, mm-hmm. and Robert Lazar, who worked there, yeah. came across a little gray in a room, and he had a crazy conversation with him, and he was just numb from seeing this little critter, but they had a conversation, and he said something like, what, what do you people want with us? Mm-hmm. And supposedly the little gray told him, we need your souls. So, so the souls perhaps came from, oh, whatever you want to call it, God, let's just say, but are could, being made that, originally. Right, that could be its own crazy energy source that goes back to before God, for all we know. Okay. Somewhere in the universe, that's something that not only we humans need, use, Mm -hmm. or identify ourselves with, but maybe all races and even other dimensions need that. Or maybe that's one of the things that's unique Mm -hmm. to this crazy experiment called man. And and these other species realize, holy Christ, we got to get our hands on that. We didn't expect that Mm -hmm. to be a byproduct of our creation. See, now in all this, that's the scary part to me. <laughs> well, yeah, well, I can tell you this. Here's how I describe it. Whatever, and, and again, none of us can be afraid of the truth. This is, this is where we have to make that determination in our mind. Whatever the truth is, you know what, we have to go get it. But okay. yes. the way I would describe it, I can tell you it will be the unimaginable truth. Okay, with that, David, with that, can I ask you one question? Can we have you back in two weeks? Oh, my gosh, of course. Why? Like, I'd say no to this. Okay, all right, because I want to go further into this. We only got a minute. Yeah, now I'm hanging. I want to go further into this. They said I was a tease last night. I want to go further into this. I want to uh, talk more about your experiment. Um, I would be interested. Maybe Annette would be interested. I think Mercedes would be interested. And what you want well, to do in the now, future? Just so you know, we got 59 seconds. So. I have to. We have to involve Mercedes. If nothing, I'd love her laugh. Okay. Yeah. Listen, okay. there it is. Oh my God, I could listen to that all night. Oh, I get an opportunity you so too. much. Dave, thank you. Well, what a, I, I'm telling you, this is the most fun I could ever have on a Sunday night. I love this. <laughs> Okay. Good. Thank you. Mercedes, <laughs> thank you. He's a reptilian. We're here for his entertainment. <sighs> and David, I want to find out why that thing would be appearing behind me. So, yeah, uh, that, well, I'd like to yeah. myself. <clears throat> All right. 
Mercedes, thank you. Annette, thank you. David, thank you. Listeners, thank you very much uh, for tuning in. David will be on in two weeks again on the show. And um, listeners, thank you very much, and good night. And blessed be. Love Talk Radio.